Good morning. Well, I admit I'm a little bit uh, hoarse this morning. Stood outside in the rain yesterday for about two hours. A young man uh, named Austin Goss graduated from Eastern High School last year. He's now going to University of Texas. And uh, his mom works for Charlie Strong, who's head coach at University of Texas. And Austin flew back to Louisville. We kind of consider him like a second son. And uh, he ran the full marathon yesterday, the Derby Marathon, and I was there to offer him support and to be for him there at the end of the race. And as a result, I had to stand out in the rain uh, for two hours. But it was worth it. Uh, he, he came across, he finished the race, first marathon, he was beat up, big ice bag on his leg, tired, exhausted. But I loved it, I loved it. I was at mile 26 and I saw these runners, I saw the half marathon runners coming through and seeing people who'd probably run their first race ever, battling all kinds of health issues, people of all shapes and sizes. Then I watched these marathon runners come down to the finish and the look on his face, it was an moment of just like pain and joy. He'd never done anything like that before in his life. I love it, whether it's running or anything in life, when someone is able to achieve something they never dreamed was possible. You know, it could be anything, not just a running event, any kind of sporting event. Could be any achievement that you want in life, something in your business, something in your family. But I just love it when I see people respond to the challenge of adversity, walk through pain, walk through struggle, and then achieve something unbelievable and something remarkable. You know, one of the things that I have the the privilege of seeing as, as a pastor for almost 30 years now is just seeing people do incredible things with their life. You know, I see people who put marriages back together after they've come unglued from infidelity. I've seen people go through very traumatic issues in their health and then stand up and become stronger and greater and better because of what they went through. And then I see people sometimes who no one ever thought much of. They're just kind of the quiet person and you didn't think, you just kind of walked by them, didn't see them, and, and then they go off to do something amazing, some amazing kind of achievement. You know, I just continue to be impressed by the power of the human spirit. I call it sometimes grit. But you know what's really powerful and amazing to me is when, is when the power of the human spirit partners with the power of God. And you see, when, when our effort and our presence and our strength comes together with God's presence and strength inside of us, and, and to see what God can do through your life, and my, I don't know what challenge you're facing in your life, what your dream is. But with God's presence and power in your life, there is more to you than maybe you even realize at this moment. I want to introduce you to someone that I met two weeks ago at the Boston Marathon. 
Her name is Jamie Goldman Marseille. Now, technically, I didn't meet her. But there was a part of the race when I ran beside her. Can you imagine how I felt? Can you imagine? She is the first female double amputee to have ever run a marathon. Her first marathon was the Chicago Marathon. And she was the first double amputee woman to ever run the Boston Marathon. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know her name, didn't know her story. Just ran beside her for a while and was amazed, amazed at her strength and power and determination and courage. When I got home, I just Googled, double amputee runs Boston Marathon and heard her, learned her story. When she was 19 years old, she's 47 now, she's a kindergarten teacher from Orange County, California. At the age of 19, she was a student, a sophomore at the University of Arizona. Her and a friend went to New Mexico for a weekend ski trip. On the way home from the ski trip, they got caught in a terrible snowstorm and turned down a logging road that had been abandoned. They slid off the road into a snowbank, into an icy snowbank, and were trapped in the car and weren't able to leave. Because the road was an abandoned road, no one discovered them for 11 days. When they found her and they found her friend, she was half alive. Severe frostbite and gangrene from her knee on down. They had to remove both of her legs. She did not become an athlete or to a runner until she lost her legs. You know, when you look at her, when I look at her and, and see what she's been able to achieve with her life, you know, the first thought you might have is to think, oh, you know, how terrible uh, she lost her legs. Isn't life hard and bad things happen to people? And I don't, that's the, maybe my, could be your first thought, but that's not my thought. My thought is to look at her and go, wow, look at what the human spirit can do. It makes me rethink any challenge I have in my life. In fact, after the marathon yesterday, my, my young friend was walking around, you know, with an ice bag on his leg. And I said, well, you did something great, but let me show you the picture of a woman I ran with last week. And I said, that ice bag doesn't look so bad. Imagine running with no legs. When I look at her, I think, what is possible? What, what we're able to achieve? And that most of the limitations that we have in life are limitations that we have placed on ourselves. Now, I don't know her story. I didn't talk to her. I've never met her. I've never spoke to her. But I, I thought to myself, if she doesn't believe in God, I don't know how she can't believe in God. I mean, I, she must believe in God. How do you overcome something like that in life without God's help and strength? I don't know. Maybe she does. I don't know. But it is a powerful thing when the human spirit combines with the powerful presence of God who lives inside of us.
For the next four weeks, this week, today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about what's possible for you, what's possible for me. I want to talk to you about the role that the Holy Spirit can play in your life and my life. What happens when you begin to look at your life differently because God has come to live inside you, not at arm's length, but his very presence comes to live inside you and begins to give you an inner strength and a power to achieve and live the life that he created you to live. You may not this morning be able, even able to see what's possible. But through the power and the presence and the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit in your life, you'll begin to dream dreams that you never even imagined. And you can achieve far more with your life and make a bigger impact on the world than you can ever imagine. That's what the book of Acts is all about. You see, the book of Acts was written by uh, Luke, who wrote Luke's gospel, which tells the story of the disciples and Jesus and why Jesus came and his teachings. At the end of Luke, we see that the disciples are scared and fearful, though they've met the risen Jesus. He's given them an assignment to go share the gospel with the world. But then Luke continues by writing the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, it should be called the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Because the book of Acts tells what happens to this group of ordinary, regular men and women when on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and filled the church and transforms them from their very natural life to a supernatural life. Something very supernatural occurs. So I, I want to begin by just sharing you this one verse that is just really touched me and really speaks meaningfully to me and to us, I think, this morning. It's in chapter 4, verse 13, and Luke writes this. He says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Now, who is the they? The they is the religious leaders and the religious establishment. Perhaps they remembered Peter who was hiding and Peter the coward and Peter who had gone back to his old life fishing and John. But something happens at the beginning of the book of Acts. A remarkable supernatural transformation occurs in their life. We have no idea what happened really. They don't have any idea what happened. And we, we, we don't think that Peter had any kind of training in public speaking. But all of a sudden, Peter, who denied Jesus in the dark, is all of a sudden in the middle of the day, preaches the gospel to thousands of people. How'd that happen? He preaches the gospel, a powerful sermon, and it says that people were so deeply impacted by his words that thousands of people were baptized into the church that day. And the church was born. They look at that and say, how did that happen? They were astonished. And then after the day of Pentecost and after they were preaching, Peter and John go to the temple. And on their way to the temple, they see a man that's been paralyzed. And they give the man 
a beautiful, beautiful gift in the person of Jesus. They don't give him gold or silver. They give him Jesus. They grab him by the hand, and this paralyzed man begins to stand up and speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus. He's miraculously healed. The religious establishment is so confused by this that what they then do is they take Peter and John and throw them behind bars. But the Holy Spirit then comes and sets them free. The next day the religious establishment goes looking for them, can't find them, they're not in jail, where are they? They're back in the temple preaching again. And they say, stop, you, you can't keep teaching this teaching in the name of Jesus. They say, we won't stop. And so we get here and it says, when they saw the courage of Peter who was a coward and who denied you, when they see his courage of Peter and realize they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Now let me just translate this literally for you. See the word there, ordinary? The English is being very polite in his translation to Peter and John. The actual word there in the Greek is the word idiotes. It's where the word idiot comes from. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled idiots. I looked it up in the dictionary. Idiot means half-wit, ignoramus, dullard, fool, or my definition, Homer Simpson brains. <laughs> they looked at these idiots and said, how is this possible? You see, one of the mistakes that we make, I think, is that we, we, we put the disciples on stained glass and we lift them up and we make them into these powerful people and we, we imagine that they had something that we don't have, but the reality is that they were idiots just like you and me. And now what we find in the book of Acts is that it's not the gifted or the talented or the powerful or the rich that God has chosen to bring about his work and to spread the good news of Jesus in the world. It was just ordinary, everyday, average people. But, but I do want to say if you were homecoming queen and you were the captain of your football team and you made a 34 on your ACT, God can still use you too. But none of that is what, none of that is, none of that is the prerequisite. All that God is looking for is just an open heart, a willing heart. Someone who says, here I am, just use me. Take this ordinary, regular life and use me. So I want to point out to you three things. When they looked at them and they were astonished, what astonished them? I think there are three qualities that they demonstrated what a supernatural life looks like. The first is they had a consuming, consuming passion. They had a passion to share the love of Jesus with the world. It, it consumed them. It, it was a part of their every waking moment. You see, before Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit, the disciples loved Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit came to live inside of them, they were so grateful 
that he had not given up on them. They were so profoundly impacted by his love and by his grace. How could they not be passionate about it? How passionate are you? Do you have passion for the good news of Jesus? You know, sometimes I think that the reason that we don't have passion is because we don't understand who he is. We don't understand what he's done. We don't understand his grace. We don't understand his love. We don't understand his forgiveness. And when you begin to look at the cross of Jesus and you look at the death of Jesus and you look at the way he just keeps coming for us and loving us and loving and loving us and never turning us away, that's where passion comes from. That the way to, to get connected to a passion for him is to realize how much he loves you. And that there's nothing in this entire world that could ever separate him and his love from you. You know, I've been doing this a long time now. I've been sharing this and sometimes I get confused about what's important and what's not important. I get caught up in trivial theological matters. I get lost sometimes in, in church issues that are not important. I get caught up in doctrinal concerns. I get captured in you know, questioning scripture. The reality is this is what it's all about for me. It's always been about this for me. When I was a teenager, I met the love of God in Jesus Christ and I got down on my knees and I accepted Jesus into my life and I felt his profound love for me and he loved me in a way I'd never felt love before unconditionally. And at that moment, I met a radical, inclusive, loving God and that's been my message since I was 16 years old. It will always be my message. And sometimes I have to be reminded of that. Sometimes I have to reconnect to my passion. You know, what you believe about lots of things are not as important to me. What's important to me is that you know the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that you know that your life can change. That you do not have to stay where you are. That you can go to a new place. That every moment in your life, it's an opportunity because God's love is there for you to help you achieve things you could never dream possible. Because anyone who is in Jesus Christ is a new person. Your past is forgiven. And it's only a new life ahead of you. That's what it's all about. The second thing is they had an unwavering commitment. You know, how is your level of commitment? Scale of 1 to 10. When the pressure's on, how is your commitment? What are you committed to? You know, they were told, don't preach, don't teach, shut up, be quiet. You know, we're going to throw you in jail, we're going to get rid of you. They saw what happened to Jesus. So they do that. To, they would do it to them. But they were on, we will not stop teaching in the name of Jesus. We will not. They had a commitment that was absolutely unwavering. And that's what happened with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in them, to them and gave them passion, gave them commitment. And the third thing was irrational generosity. They were crazy generous. I mean irrationally generous. It says that they, they took their possessions and the things that they owned and they shared them in common and no one had a need among them. They fed the hungry. They took care of the poor. They loved people that were on the outsides and they shared, they took their property and possessions and sold them and laid them at the apostles' feet 
and the church grew because of the generosity. You know, last week, I heard a story of a pastor who was sharing a story about how he ran into someone uh, who he could tell had a need, and the Lord impressed it upon him to give everything out of his wallet to this individual. And so he said, so I did. And the Lord blessed me. He said, I opened up my wallet, gave them everything in it, and it was just what they needed at that moment. And he said it felt great to be generous. So this week I was having coffee with a friend who's going through a pretty rough stretch right now. He was living a remarkable life, but's really having some financial struggles. And I remember that story as we were sitting there and we were talking. I was thinking about how blessed I am and everything that I have. And then I heard that voice inside me say, just give what's in your wallet. Now, usually I have nothing in my wallet. I don't carry money, really. And I said, okay. But it's amazing. It's amazing how the longer I sat there, the easier it became not to give them what was in my wallet. Then at the end of the conversation, I opened up my wallet. And I thought I had $5, but I had $50. And I wanted to give her $5, not $50. And I said, Lord, it was a lot easier to be generous when I thought I had 5 instead of having 50 <laughs> And so I, I, gave her all, I gave her all that was there. They, they had that kind of generosity. It was an irrational, it just doesn't make sense. That's what happens. When, when, when we begin to live a supernatural life, we begin to see generosity and we begin to see lives change because of the generosity and because of our unwavering commitment and because of our passion. You know what the impact of this kind of supernatural life is? Is lives get changed. Families get healed. The curse of addiction is broken. People get set free from their past. People are able to achieve and do things that they never dreamed possible. I don't know if you know this morning that your past does not have to keep you locked in the present in the way that you've been. You can be somebody new. The impact of a supernatural life is a wonderful life, a blessed life, a life lived for God, a life of being able to do and achieve and see things we never dreamed possible. And how great it is to see God work in us and through us. The question is how? How is that possible? Well, if you go back and you read, and I want to encourage you to read through the book of Acts over the next few weeks. You read at the beginning of the book of Acts, it says that Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples and began to teach them. And he told them to wait and to pray, to wait and to pray, to wait and to pray, and to wait and pray for the coming of the promise that he made to them. He said to them, I'm going to leave you, and it's to your benefit that I leave you, because when I leave you, I'm going to send my presence to you. God's presence, the Holy Spirit is going to come and live and it's going to dwell in you and fill you and give you power beyond your imagination. And you will be my witnesses. Listen to what he says. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
And then he goes and he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you hear God's plan here? God's plan is not to take perfect people, but to take ordinary people who surrender themselves to God's power and spirit and to open themselves up and to put his presence inside every one of you. Not in one person, but to light every one of you on fire. Not me, yes, yes, yes you. And what happens is the disciples wait and they pray and they wait and pray. And we'll talk about this next week. And what happens? One day while they were waiting and praying, something dramatic happens. A wind blows through the building. And then a fire comes and the building is set on fire. And the Holy Spirit comes to rest on every single person in the room. And they begin to speak in tongues. And they then go out in the street and preach the gospel. And the word about Jesus is so powerful that that day thousands are baptized. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they go back to their homes and preach and share passionately about Jesus. And they go back to their homes and have an unwavering commitment. And they go back to their homes and live irrationally generous lives. And you too. He is still alive today, too. He lives in us, too. He's available to you, too. He's available to us, too. What would you be able to do? What would you be able to achieve if you were able to take that human spirit inside of you and partner with the Holy Spirit. Can you begin to imagine? Can you begin to dream?